and welcome to The Foundation, a Parks People podcast, presented by the National Association of Park Foundations, and now, your host and Executive Director of the National Association of Park Foundations, Kevin Korenthal. Ladies and gentlemen, today I have the privilege of introducing a remarkable individual who has devoted his life to parks and conservation. From his initial exposure during his college years to his extensive involvement in local government and parks boards, his journey showcases the power of citizen engagement and the crucial need for adequate park and recreation funding. Please join me in welcoming Ron Lehman to the podcast. Well, thank you, Kevin. Good to be a part. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, I always like to begin the beginning at the beginning, and the beginning was. Oh, How did you end up getting into the park and recreation in the foundation space? Well, I think I'd start off by saying the man upstairs set this whole thing without me realizing what was happening. But uh, it, it all started out, uh, I wanted to be a coach, went to Northern Illinois University and DeKalb, Illinois, and found that back in the old days, uh, coaching included more than just physical things, and it included 12 hours of park and recreation. We loved it. it was a great grade, and at the same time, it was fun. Later on, it kind of came back, and I it was useful to me because uh, I started my career as a teacher and coach, and then Uncle Sam interrupted that, and I was in the military for a while and ended up at Fort Knox, Kentucky, permanent party for the time being, working in the 2nd Army Armored Division, helping the adjutant general with his uh, record keeping and things of that nature. But more important, I coached their basketball team for Fort Knox, played some baseball with some major leaguers, and kind of took part in running the recreation program that he was responsible for, for permanent party. After that, after discharge, I ended up in the town of Shanahan because at that point in history, if you could get a job, you, you could be released and teaching was a critical field. And so I started my coaching and teaching career in Shanahan, Illinois, and still here. But as a coach and in a town that at that point in time was not even incorporated, we began to see that the kids that I was working with had very little to do. And we began to advocate a little bit about parks and recreation and kids needed swimming lessons and we needed to do a few things. And um, the village and the, the people there that was been there for their lifetime decided to incorporate. I got on their board. They put me on their board to begin with. And then we asked the village to go ahead and do all the legal work that it took to become a legal park district. And I've been on that board ever since. The village has grown from about 800 people when I got there to about 14, 15,000 now. The school I started with in high school, the first tournament I took the kids to, we had 190 kids and now we're at about 2,400. But that's, 
happened a lot after I retired from education. How how do you how does uh how did foundations play a role uh, in the early days of of your work? Well, you know the foundations at that time, Kevin had one ring to it. Money was given to people that was associated with a college or a hospital or you were with some military organization. Foundations was the kind of a money source for people. And very few people even thought that it was appropriate for them to reach into their savings. It had to be a really picky thing. Now, fast forward about 30 years in this story. During the course of my time, I got involved by being put on a National Heritage Corridor Board, strictly because the National Illinois-Michigan Corridor ran through Shanahan. And I was on that village board, and I wanted to be a part of it since our town was there. And getting on it was a little more complicated, but it all came to success with a large part, thanks to the state director of park districts, a gentleman named Ted Flickinger. Through Ted's help, I got on that board and that opened my life then to work in because that was through the Department of Conservation out of Washington. And that introduced me to government beyond the village and introduced me to the national government. And I think I spent 10 years on that, chaired that board for five and had some good experiences and learned some lessons and saw how critical money was. In the meantime, while that was going on, Ted Flickinger encouraged me to get involved within RPA, the National Park and Rec, and through he and Peter Murphy's support, uh, I took the stair steps in and became an NRPA board member. And then later on, um, I became their treasurer and then their chair. And it's there where the story of foundations began. Because one of my jobs as chairman for NRPA was that we would split the country between me, the executive director, and the president represented professionals. We would go to at least a third of the states in the USA. And I had a chance to make two big observations. When I was in Illinois or South Dakota, there were a lot of citizens around. When I was in all the other places, the only citizens I ran into were people getting awards or had made a donation. I also learned that among the professionals, there was always concern about funding, not having enough money to do the little things that would grow a program in a growing environment. And in, and it, it was obvious once I opened my eyes and was exposed to it, Illinois and North Dakota and a few scattered places on the East Coast and in California, all are funded from either a municipal source, a county source, 
or some other organization that the park district was just a committee for or a department of. And the money they got for running their programs came out of the budgeting set by a mayor, business manager, county commissioner, et cetera. Illinois and North Dakota, <clears throat> we have our own taxing permission. We can levy taxes, <clears throat> pardon me, if the village citizens approve it. So that's unique uh, that those two states actually can lev levy taxes for the purposes of funding these uh, the, the park and rec infrastructure. That's an interesting. Uh, I, I wonder why more states haven't gotten in, down that road. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have really no idea how we got that route, to tell you the truth. Uh, some One of the governors back in time long before me actually probably just made the decision along with the other group of uh, strong-willed people, and it worked up for our benefit uh, as a, a great, great, great advantage. I'll, but, I'll work... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'll work my way towards, you know, my key question, which is how you ended up getting involved in the creation of the NAPF. But I wanted to ask you kind of some of your thoughts on uh, what uh, park foundations really can be doing in this age. I think also, you know, not just from a funding standpoint, but really where do you see their, the most relevance for park foundations in the current era? Well, from what I've seen, Kevin, park foundations are valuable in a lot of ways more than helping raise money to buy a new set of swings or to build a park or to put a pavilion in a park. It takes a little bit of pre-planning, I think, when you begin to look at foundations for park districts. The people that you seek to help you are much like people that join athletic boosters or friends groups in mm -hmm. athletics. A, they have to be people that have a desire to help build the program in their community. And the more people that you can put on a foundation board <clears throat> that have ties, that they're not just a mom, a soccer mom. It's just not a runner getting ready for a marathon. It's people in town who, when they get interested, and I hate to be kind of specialized like that, but some people have influence that if they're on your side and they see the bear and they say, you know, we really need this, our foundation can help you do that. Yep. If you have that kind of gathering. Uh, I know when we put our foundation, we looked at the term skill sets. We wanted people with a variety of skill sets that was very familiar with our community and knew a lot of the people. We talk about this a lot in our board development work, in our strategic planning, um, and that is the influence of community of influential community members um, and really trying to encourage representatives of the finance sector of the city, uh, go government sector of the city, uh, the movers and shakers in real estate, all of these folks who bring resources to the table um, are going to be able to uh, help utilize uh, those particular uh, skill sets or assets that they bring to the greater good of the Park Foundation. And I think that's very wise that that was something that you, you know, you kind of took 
as something to teach these foundations when you were first getting involved? Uh, you know, Kevin, to kind of <laughs> play zigzag here, that's what we did when we started. And when we started, we found out what we didn't know. Okay. There were so many things we just, we, we had very little information on. And, and and that leads us to NAPF because that was a whole conglomeration. That wasn't just me. That, that was a whole lot of people following questions that I think people like me started asking. Mm -hmm. When I saw around the country, I thought, why won't foundations work? So when we personally in our district had 78 acres ideal for a woodland park people from all over besides just our town. But we didn't have money. So I said, let's put a foundation together. And then we started asking around how that would work. Now, it wasn't that I didn't have some experience. When we were within RPA, we started a foundation because we were looking for additional money to put on TV and ads and go public with the value of parks and recreation. When we started looking at the cost for that kind of NRPA program, no way could we afford that. Mm -hmm. So we started looking at a foundation and this all ties later on together, but we put a foundation group together out of our NRPA people. And again, that's when I learned some of the secrets, of, not secrets, but some of the things I needed to think about. That group got together. We worked together pretty close. Um, we did not have as much success as we hoped for. Part of the problem is we were so split across the country that we were doing too much. In those days, we didn't have a Zoom or things like that. Mm -hmm. The second thing was everybody we had on there was so busy with their own stuff that they didn't have a lot of time. We did put some money together. And that group of people are the ones when we started talking with Don Ortel and Don Jessen about foundations. And they, Don Ortel had a lot of experience with foundations. And I was using him to help us put this park together. Mm -hmm. The idea got to be, hey, if we can do this, why can't other people do this? So I give an awful lot of credit to Don Ortel. He had some on the ground experience. He had some of the legal necessities at hand. He had worked some of that. And so out of all of that, the decision was, let's try it. Let's, let's do this. I got on the phone and I called all the guys and gals that was with that NRPA thing, the, the foundation group we had there. And with their help, they gave us $100,000 of seed money to start in APL. So altogether, the association just had a ton of help. And the idea just kept it going and it'd take a back step. And then we look forward again. And now I'm happy to say it's in great hands. Donald did a great job of living through the growing process. People began to become very interested in us. We started picking people to be on that board. And we, some really nice, Joe 
from over in Indiana. Uh, I could go on forever. There's there's a lot of people on that NAPF board now that I don't know, but the original group of people whose terms have expired, they they kind of all chipped in. Some lasted all the terms. Some was only members for a short time, but we learned from each and every one of them. And now it's, I'm happy to say, very comfortable with where we're going. And I see progress, I see interest, I see uh, towns and people, executive directors around us, the country, beginning to open their eyes and saying, yeah, why not foundations? How do we do that? Well, call in APL. I like to say that, you know, I stand on the shoulders of giants. I've used that a number of times in my career because I've had a number of opportunities to do just that. And I would, again, echo your comments with regard to uh, Don and Don um, and, uh, and yourself uh, being, you know, uh, insightful enough to see that um, there's this little niche area where folks can utilize this great public-private partnership tool to improve outcomes and close gap funding gaps in the park and recreation space. And all we need to do is uh, supply the resources, the, you know, uh, the educational opportunities, the, uh, the instruction, the handholding, if you will, um, to help these folks be able to get from the point where they conceptualize the idea, gosh, what can we do with a 501c3 that we can't do now, to the point where they have their IRS designation, they have their board of directors, they're in the strategic plan process. They have a, a well-educated board of directors. They're doing fund development around the country um, and other assets like that. So I, I, I personally uh, have been impressed coming and being involved with uh, the NAPF to know what had come prior to my being on board. And I'm so excited, as I hope you are as well, Ron, at what the future might hold. And asking that question of you, where do you think this all is, is all going? I mean, is this, uh, will we continue to see growth? Will we have another cycle where from like the, the 70s, it was really popular and then the foundation kind of end up, where do you see things going? Well, I see things still being kind of on a slow, steady progress at this point in time. Economy is tight. People are unsure about where they're, how things are working out, unfortunately, in, in the lives of most people. Um, but we're finding park and recreation is still more valuable now to people. They're looking for an outlet because in some ways these, these other things are mm -hmm. kind of confining and discouraging a little bit. In mental health, finances, all these things that stress people out. That's, you're right on, right on the button there. I, I see this, uh, I see that we really have, have yet to convince some of the national or executive directors in different states that there is value to going to experts to saying, how do I set up this skip money? Now there's some worries about that, uh, but that's, of course, all can be handled in a memo of understanding when you're yeah. first beginning. My yeah. biggest worry was maybe a simple one. I was afraid if we got too many of our people with under mayors and community 
government, they'll say, oh, you raised $15,000 on that little project. That's $15,000 we don't get, we can put somewhere else because you've already earned it. The memo of understanding can straighten those differences. Probably, prob or probably become a problem. Next to the strategic plan, I think that the memo of understanding is the most critical document to ensure a healthy and successful relationship. Uh, it's kind of funny that you, you bring that up because I've had uh, executives of large park foundations in the country on the East Coast who've come to me going, Kevin, I've heard the content that NAPF talks about, about how you create a good relationship with your park agency. I haven't been able to do it. And I'm like, so what are you really trying to achieve by getting a better relationship? Well, we figure that $15 million worth of projects we do right now could be $30 million. And I just shake my head going, yeah. It, so it's not just that little town in the middle of the country that knows that there are philanthropic dollars out there and wants to collect it. Even the large metropolitan park foundation agencies out there are struggling to figure out how they can best make this relationship work. If I can sidetrack for just a moment to pick up on that. During the period of time that we were, I think, in our second year as chair of NRPA, our executive director there conceived the idea of bringing the 50 largest city mayors to NRPA for a meeting. And we stressed, and I, maybe they thought pestered, I don't know, but I would have said we, we did our darndest to convince them of the value of their spending money on park and recreation, even so far as to say businesses looking for quality of life for employees. And where's one of the first places they look at? What's going on in the schools? What's going on in the parks? What's going on in recreation? And I think that importance uh, is getting to be so well known that now they're looking for how can we build on it? And that's the time for our foundations. I think we're coming at the right time. I would, last week I had an opportunity to speak a little bit with an NRPA uh, chat thing. And I was kind of laying the groundwork that there needs to be a connection between NRPA and us training people as a something we could help. I think you are already in conversations with that. So I'm just trying to reinforce that thought with them. I think. We, we, of course, would love the opportunity to continue to work with the NRPA. I think it's critical to uh, just about everything that we're going to be able to do in the future um, is to continue to partner with organizations with a similar mission as, as the NAPF. Um, and I've, uh, I've been very appreciative, Ron, of your work to try to make that happen. Um, well, you know, we're, we're coming close to the end of time here, but I kind of wanted to, you know, just get your thoughts on one more area. One, another area that I feel like there's a tremendous uh, need for growth is in regard specifically to the area of uh, utilizing park foundations for volunteers. What are your thoughts on with regard to, you know, the use of the park foundation for this purpose? I think that's exactly one of the other benefits of forming it. If you've got a group of people that 
strongly support, and I've been advocating here at home in our district, I would like to see on our foundation board, somebody from every major subdivision that's out there where we could reach out, not just off of the list of people that are participants, but somebody willing to be a leader in every community or every subdivision as part of our foundation. And I'm beginning to think too, foundations should have an administrative group, like an executive group. And then the other part of that foundation is the membership that are there because they wanna be there and then they can work their way up through to become leaders later on and try to get a, I, I don't wanna say workers, but you, Foundation. No, there's all there's sure. all level. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. and there's all level of, of involvement, especially as the foundations grow and new opportunities to serve in new capacity. So it does take it takes the worker bees, but it all it also takes some executive leadership. And I really think that's where the NAPF is probably going to find most of its members in the future are those fat park foundations that have been doing one thing or doing, you know, it, the same way or really been operating more as a pass through. They're now looking to become much more active in their communities and take on greater responsibilities. I think you're right on, Kevin. Well, you know what, Ron? Thank you. Good work. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for all that you've done that came before my time here at the NAPF. This has been uh, Ron Lehman, and I have been Kevin Korenthal. Really appreciate everyone getting involved and, and uh, watching this podcast. We're going to have many more. I don't know who I might interview next. Um, I started with one of the best and the greatest, so maybe it's all downhill from here. I want to thank everyone again for coming out the pod. I want to thank uh, Ron for being on the pod, and uh, I wish everyone the rest of a great day. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. God bless, and uh, this you're you're on the right track. Just don't put the brakes on. Keep going. You got it. Thank you too, Ron. Uh, have a great day. Thanks. You too.